All right, I'm glad for that. It really is. He's all you need. And I hope that today that'll be something we ponder. And let's turn our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. And um, also, if you pick up Psalm 23, we'll read there first. And uh, we'll get into it this morning. Um, you know, I've already told you how much I like coffee. But I also really like milkshakes. So um, one of the things I was looking forward to over in the U.S. is uh, just to my first uh, trip over there was to try out what, um, what all their milkshakes were like. And I remember going to, I, I can't exactly remember, I think it was Johnny Rockets or something, some, some sort of diner franchise there um, amid the, you know, the thousands that they have. And um, I ordered a milkshake. First thing I, I ordered over in the, the U.S., um, I wanted to try that. And I also wanted to try Cinnabon, okay? but now we have Cinnabon. But um, we, we headed over to this place, and I ordered a milkshake, and it was, you know, waiting and waiting, and finally I got it. It was just a simple chocolate milkshake, all right? just wanted to try. If you, can, if you can get me with that, then you can get me with anything. But I got that, and, and it was amazing, right? They, one, it was huge, and if you've ever been to the U.S., everything's just big over there. It was huge, but then to top it all off, they also gave me the, the bit that was at the bottom of the, the cup that they mixed it in, and so they gave me really a cup and then a little cup with the overflow. And if you ever go there, I was amazed. You know, I mean, I've, I've been to Wendy's here. I've been to, you know, every other place that you can get a milkshake. And you never get the extras. But somehow over there you got the extras. And I thought, wow, what a blessed nation, all right? But, you know, it was, it was just, a good, uh, just, a, just a good thing. I mean, you not only got what you paid for, you got all of what you paid for, right? And, you know, that's, that's sort of what I want to allude to this morning. You know, when, when, you, when you deal with God... You're going to get much more than what you thought you were going to get. Uh, you're, you're always going to get with God. If you, if you come to God in, in the things that you have need for and the things that you, um, like what we sung about, the, the problems of life, I'll tell you, God is all you need, and He's going to give you much more than you need. And that's just how God deals with us. And I think about the, the psalm here, Psalm 23 is one of my favorite psalms, but in verses 5 and 6, notice what David says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. And notice what he says, My cup runneth over. And then he says, he says Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, he was, he was seeing God as his, the, his, his shepherd and he looks at God and he says he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He, he rescues him, but beyond that, his cup runs over. You know, I think about salvation. I think about the fact that when we're saved, not only does God save us from a, 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 the condemnation of the penalty of our sin, but he goes beyond that. He gives us a place in heaven. He gives us a family here on earth. He gives us the, the spiritual gifts that enable us to serve Him. He gives us understanding of His Word. It, you know, really, when it even comes to salvation, when you think about it, our cup runs over. And what we find in these stories that we're going to read here in 2 uh, Kings chapter 4 
is uh, just, just stories about living in the overflow. There's four stories that we're going to see here where, where four different people came to the, the man of God, Elisha. And what happened was, not only was there a miracle, but there was over and abundant of that. And if you're careful to, to think about this with me this morning, there's, there's a couple of principles we're going to learn there that really would be observable if we just stopped to think about it in our own lives. Because in all actual actuality this morning, we're all living in the overflow when we approach God in faith. You know, I, I began to think about that in my own life and how sometimes, you know, God in His, in His goodness to us, He he does things over and above. He says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, And now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the powers that worketh in us. And, you know, God, in, in, when we approach him in faith for a need or proceed in faith with an action, it, it, it happens to be that we just then get the overflow of that and then flows onto the lives of even those that surround us, those that God might give us. And, you know, an overflow is God's blessing and goodness in our lives that we don't always see the end of, but it, it's a, really a response of an approach of faith to God. And, and again, I think about it in my life. I, I think I see this in my own life. You know, I, I can't help but think about my grandma who passed last year. I was very close to her in many ways. I was telling someone this week, there was no doubt I was the favorite, right? I was the favorite grandchild. Um, not only was I the first grandchild, I was the first... Uh, I was the first on her side of the family, on my dad's side. But it just seemed to be she just, she just really took a liking to me and she, she took me everywhere. But my, my grandmother was also the one that was first saved in our family. She was invited by a friend of hers and little did she know that decision would then result in my parents getting saved, my grandfather getting saved and then as a little child uh, at seven years old, she was the one that told me about Christ, and I got saved. And little did she know that me, the, the shy little boy who she took around to her, her classrooms, she, she was an English teacher over there in the Philippines, and she would take me to those classrooms, and she would tell me on the way there sometimes about God. And, and little did she know that that, that family, her son and, and her, her son's wife would move their family over to Australia in a different country. And little did she know that this shy little boy who she, she loved and she spent a lot of time with would become a pastor one day and I've been able to work with others and see people saved and see churches growing, see Christians going. It's not me. It was a decision of faith in my grandmother's life that then left to an overflowing into others' lives. And I think about that. I think I see that here today. You know, there was a group of people 40-odd years ago who, around the north of Brisbane, the Lord was working in their heart about it, and, and they felt and were led to form a New Testament church, and little did they know, they'd find a property right here in Albany Creek, and they start to then see a vision for it and start to work, and little did they know that there's a group of people here, although there's some who are watching online today, but there's a group of people here in this building that at one point didn't exist, but there's an overflow into your lives as well. There's a blessing there. But it was a decision of faith with some sacrifices of faith at times that allowed 
you and I to be the beneficiaries of lives that were lived in the overflow. We're in the overflow. And you just don't know, you know, as the Lord tarries, how much more. And, but, but you've got to understand that it, it starts with the decision of faith and approaching God by faith. Right? Faith is the thing that grows in, in our lives. Faith is the thing that God likens to a seed, and it's meant to sprout and grow, and it's meant to then bless and give shade and give fruit, and it's meant to go on and on and on. And, you know, all of us here this morning, we approach those times sometimes a little too candidly and a little too casually, and yet we, we may be, we may be the recipients of, of the overflow, but actually, we get to perpetuate the overflow. We get to go on for the Lord, and we might bless the next generation. We might bless our neighbors, and we might help them. But there's a couple of stories here that I want to point out to you this morning. In 2 Kings chapter 4, notice verse 1 there, and we'll start here. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And that's what happened in that day if you couldn't pay your debts. And this was an unfortunate situation. The husband of this, this woman um, passed away, and she, he was the breadwinner. That's really how, uh, really how uh, people were supplied by the, in that time by their, by their spouse, the husband. And so the creditor is coming, and she, she seems to have no other choice but to, to give her sons over to be bondmen to be servants as a, as a payment. And notice Elisha's response because the, this woman comes with this problem to Elisha who is the man of God. And Elisha said, Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Then he says this, Tell me what hast thou in the, in the house. And she said, Thine handmaid hath not, hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, and he says this, borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee, upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay the debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. That's an amazing story. I think about that. And oil was a precious commodity back then, and the only thing she had in her house left that she could possibly even have in her house was this cruise of oil. And so the, the, the man of God, Elisha, says, You have approached me with this problem. I'm going to bring it. And, and here's, a, here's a, what you need to do. You need to do this. You need to borrow some vessels. And unknown to her, God was going to do a miracle and fill these vessels up to the point where the Bible says there that it paid her debt and then she could live off the rest. That's an amazing thing. And, and here's the point of this, living in the overflow. Your overflow actually, actually will be in direct proportion to your response to God. Because actually she still had to respond to God. She still had to respond. She still had to answer the question, well, what do you have in your house? You know, so many of us, were looking for what we don't have in our house when actually God has given you something to respond with. There's something that you have in your possession that actually God could use in your life 
to an overflow into others' lives, into an overflow into your own situation, but we're looking for what we don't have. And what God was saying to her, what the man of God was saying to her was, what do you have in your house? And, and for her, she had that cruise of oil, but she still had to respond because he says this, go borrow, not a few. Go borrow some vessels. Go to your neighbors. Go get as many containers as you can to be able to fill. And she, under, she didn't understand at that point. But all she did was she responded. And, you know, I, I can't um, help but think, I wonder how many vessels she actually, she actually got. You know, I wonder how many neighbors she went and, and you know, knocked the door on and said, hey, um, listen, this is going to be a strange request. I'm not, ask, I'm not here to ask for sugar. Do you have any containers? And I wonder if they responded, you know, oh, well, I've got this. It's a little, you know, it's a little banged up and scratched up, but it's a vessel. I mean, I don't know how many more neighbors she could have gone to. But what, was, what it was, it was in proportion to her response. It was in proportion to the fact that she responded to the, to the, to the man of God's um, uh, communication to her to, to borrow some vessels. And, you know, what we find here in this story is that her overflow was in direct proportion to her response to God. And, and really her trouble drove her to seek an answer from God. You know, sometimes in our trouble, we just, we, just, we just sort of sit there and simmer at our problem when we can come to God. You know, the, the, the Bible tells us in Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. There's so many uh, examples in the Bible of those who were in great trouble, who just simply cried out to God and simply requested of God. But her trouble drove her to God. Her, her trouble didn't drive her to her own means, even though there was something there for her. And I wonder, when do you go when trouble, where do you go when troubles come to you? When those things that, that seem to be, is our mindset like the song, all I need is the Lord. And, and yet what we find here is that her need was going to be met by her response. You know, the question that Elisha asked is, what shall I do for thee? And then... He didn't just give it, He instructs her. You know, sometimes what God does in our lives is, is when we ask Him something, He doesn't simply make it disappear sometimes. He doesn't simply just, you know, solve it. Sometimes He just gives us an instruction to do. And we've got to respond to that instruction. And in fact, we have a, a book full of instruction. And yet, at the end of the day, our, the choice is up to us. And he was going to meet the need of this lady who, what we see, lived in the overflow, but it was firstly going to have to be out of a response from her. Her need was going to be met by her response. You know, he said it to his people there as they entered into the promised land. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he says, therefore choose. He says, choose life but that both thou and thy seed may live forever. And listen, too many times the, the instruction is perhaps in front of us and, and the, 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 the matter is at hand that we can solve in, in this way, in, in the way that God would instruct us, and yet there's still a choice. You know, we, we see in our day too many Christians who are going about and, and they're trying to live their own way, their own life, and yet really, really plainly in black and white in the pages of Scripture, the instruction is given. They're wondering why they're not 
they, they seem to be barren. They seem to be going through, and there's just great turmoil at times. And, and yet, the, the overflow is there if we would just respond correctly. And, you know, God's response to our need is often a choice than that He gives us to make. What are we choosing? And her response at the end proved to be right. Because we read it in verse 7, he says to her, pay thy debt and live thou and thy children of the rest. You know, I've, I've think about just how, how this woman would have felt in that moment of, of relief, but also of amazement. And, you know, I still am amazed today how, how, how simple obedience at times and a simple response of faith to God brings about greater things in our lives. I'm still amazed that, that, that just decisions that are made of faith, decisions to come to God in trouble, how quickly then God brings us to a, a place of solution at times. But it's up to us to respond. And, you know, there's that simple principle in the Word of God, what you put in is what you get, you reap what you sow. And at the end of the day, if we reap, if we sow sparingly, we'll also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. You know, this morning, you could come, and we're here together. We're on a, it's a Sunday. It's just a, another, sometimes, a schedule in our week. And I'll tell you what, it, it really doesn't matter who's preaching here this morning. If you didn't come with a preparation of your heart, it really doesn't matter how well or how unwell <laughs> I preached this morning. If you came this morning expecting to get nothing, out of this message is you're going to get what you're going to get. But if you came this morning with a preparation, if you came this morning and you didn't borrow a few vessels, but you borrowed many and in your preparation, you just got your heart right and you sort of said to the Lord this morning, Lord, whatever it is that you're going to speak to me about, then Lord, here I am, speak to me, then I'm going to tell you that, that there's probably more you're going to get with that attitude than those that would just come and just sit here. You're always going to reap what you sow. And you're always going to get what you put in. And don't expect to hear God if you, don't, you haven't had the regular time with Him. And you know what it is, is how seriously you take your faith. It'll directly affect how seriously those around you will take their faith. And, and, and you know, there's an there's a, there's a overflow of you responding in faith will lead to reaping in abundance enough for you and those around you. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a response. And so I wonder if you've been responding. You know, because you, your, your overflow will be a direct proportion to the response that you give to God. And, and so we see this first story. What you put in is what you get. And she borrowed these vessels and she got what she got. But notice as we continue on, you know, we're going to cover this whole chapter. So let's go along pretty quickly this morning. Look at verse 8 now. A different one, and it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, and there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. So this was a, a person that was known to Elisha. Seemed like every time he went past there, she insisted that, that he would eat. And I, I remember growing up, there was a particular friends of mine, and they were uh, they were islanders and Samoans and Tongans were often my friends in, um, when I was in high school. And I played a lot of footy with them and they would invite me over on the afternoons. And, you know, you, you never go to a Samoan house where you're not going to eat, all right? 
There's just an insistence that you're going to eat. And I remember sitting there and all this wonderful food that the mum had cooked. And, and what I learned um, right there and then is if you, if you eat quickly, which I do, I'm a consumer. I don't enjoy food. I consume food, all right? But if you ate really quickly, the mum always came back and she always loaded you up again. It just happened. And, and after the, maybe the third or fourth time I had gone there, I figured it out. You better eat slowly, buddy, or you're going to be really big. All right? So there was an overflow of that in, in, um, in, in my life that way. But what happened was in this story, he would come by and he would always eat bread there. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. So they're going to go further and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in hither. So they, want to, they had this attitude of wanting to bless this, this man of God, Elisha. And it fell on a day that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, called the Shunammite. And when he had called her, he stood, she stood before him and he said unto him, I say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. So you've cared for us. He, he's going to ask this question, What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is so to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child and her husband is old. So her heart's desire was actually to, to, to have a child. And in verse 15 he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door, and he said about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, and do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. So her request was granted in the sense, this, this, this blessing to, to be a blessing to the one that was the, the Elisha, this man of God that would often go past. They built a chamber for him. And because of that, Elisha asked her to make a request so she has a son. Notice verse 18. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. So the story continues. And he said unto his father, my, my head, my head. And he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, then died. Just sad. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. So this tragedy in her life, she goes to Elisha and he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? So he goes, she goes and um, verse 25, she, So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. So he didn't know what was happening, but now he understands that there's some, some issue. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to 
Gehazi, gird up thy loins, take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. So they go to the, to the child now. And um, in verse 30, the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. So they go to see the son. Verse 32, And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child. And he does this, this stretch himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times, the greatest sneezes that mother would have ever heard. The child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her and when she was come into him, he said, Take up thy son. Went out. What a miracle. She falls on her feet and bows, takes up her son and he went out. What a miracle. Amazing thing. Shunammite was blessed by getting her son. She suffers this loss and this heart, heartbreak. And yet God in his, in his ability to do so raises up this son again. And you think the story finishes there, but look at, look at chapter 8. Look at verse 1. Then spake Elisha unto the woman whose son he had restored to life. So this is the same woman saying, Arise, and go thou and thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn. For the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. So Elisha goes and warns this woman, saying, There's going to be this famine. You better go find somewhere else. And the woman arose and did after the, um, after the, the saying of the man of God. She went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. It's amazing how God does this because seven years passes in verse 3. That the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines and she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. Now it just so happened the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee all the great things that Elisha hath done. And it came to pass as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life that, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king after her house, and for the land, so she leaves, she loses all of her houses and lands and all of that. But at the same moment Gehazi was describing her, she comes at the same time. Now, there's no coincidences with God. Gehazi said, my Lord, O king, this is the woman. And this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed unto her a certain officer saying, notice this, restore all that was hers. And all the fruits of the field since the day that she left the land, even until now. That's an amazing story. So this, this woman just has a desire to be a, the, the blesser to the, the one who blesses. She wants to be a blessing. She, she invests in him, gets, gives him food, gives him a chamber to rest. As a result of that, she is given miraculously a child who then is raised again. And then to top it all off, he, she gets warned about the famine, leaves for seven years, comes back, and just so happens that Gehazi is talking about her. And at that moment, God had her there so that she could get everything she lost back. Overflow. And here's a point I want to make. Your overflow may manifest in present supply, but it also may manifest in future benefit. 
You just don't know what the blessing of God in your life will do today, but how it will position you for tomorrow. You just don't know. Because we see God's generosity in the present. I hope you think that, by the way. I hope you think that you have a generous God, because we do have a generous God. Boy, He gives us more and abundant than, than we can all hope and think. And, and God's generosity is seen in the present. You know, her kindness was returned by Elisha when she gained a son. But, you know, often when we live for God, there's an immediate benefit. There really is. For those of you who, who were saved a, a little later in life, you, you can describe how your life changed. But for those of you who perhaps you trusted God in a situation, how God turned things around pretty immediate in that moment. And often when we live for God, there's immediate benefit. And I'm not saying here this morning that we're immune to trouble, that we're immune to, to heartache, but uh, we have a greater purpose, a greater, get greater clarity about life. Uh, the Bible says sin has no more dominion and, and you live right and you, don't, uh, you, you, you can see God working in your life, but God's generosity is seen in the present. But you know, God's generosity is often magnified then in future unknowns. Because she didn't know it, but this son was going to be resurrected. Her family was going to be warned. Her land and her house was going to be restored. And as if all of her benefits weren't great enough, there was an overflow of God's continual provision in her life. And, and don't forget that God has already gone before. That whilst you might bask in all of God's goodness now, you don't know what, what greater goodness He has for you later on. But here's what I want to tell you, you won't see it if you don't hold on. You won't see it if you, along the way, sort of lose sight of who God is and who you should go to in times of need. It was faith. And, you know, our present and our future is, is affected, actually, by God's working in our lives. And, you know, I read this week, again, in Psalm 37, verses 23 to 24, the steps of a good man, they're ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. You know, you might go through situations that look impossible, and you might go through times where you're just sort of going, how's this going to end? How's this going to work out? And listen, the, the goodness of God in the past ought to help you understand as you've, you respond in faith that the goodness of God is still present and still to come. Actually, it's always there. You know, there, there's, a, there's an immediate benefit at times, but you may not see later what will benefit you. You're reading your Bible. There's an immediate blessing of knowledge and guidance. But maybe God will, will have you to put away something there, just a little chapter. And later when you face trials and troubles, those verses again that God gives you then will be an anchor for you. You don't know that. You're being faithful to church and God is working in your life and all the while God is using you perhaps to be a testimony one day to a young person who will testify that, that, that your, your consistency, your courage in the Word, that's what helped him. You know, I, I think about so many of my Sunday school teachers uh, who, who just over the years just remained faithful, that just uh, can continue to be consistent in their lives and, and they, weren't, they were reaping the benefit of it, but it, you know who, who reaped the benefit of it later? Just me. It was a future benefit. It was a future blessing. There was an overflow from their lives. And the overflow of trusting God goes beyond what's current. 
It can often produce in future for your greatest needs and even in the lives of others. And don't forget that. You know, you might, might sense this morning you're getting weary. And, and can I remind you, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And this lady whose desire was given, and again, she wasn't doing that for, for that. She didn't, she didn't build that chamber to, to get. But you know what God does? He, you, with God, you will always get. You'll always get. And we see that in, in the life here of Elisha. And then the, the chapter continues in verse 38. Here's another lesson. Go back there to 2 Kings chapter 4. And Elisha came again to Gilgal. And there was a dearth in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servants, Set on the great pot and see the pottage for the sons of the prophets. And they were hungry, they were cooking. And one went out unto the field to gather into the field and to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered thereof wild gourds, his lap full, and came and shred them into the pot of pottage for they knew them not. So they didn't know. They just said, oh, well, that looks good. Let's do that. So they poured out for the men to eat, and it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, Oh, thou man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat thereof. But he said, Then bring meal. And he cast it into the pot, and he said, Pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. And here the, the sons of the prophets, they were... They were Around Elisha, really was, if you think about it, a bit of a training school for them. They were just hungry. So he sends someone out. He goes and, and gathers wild vine and gourd and doesn't know that these are actually poisonous. There was death in the pot, the Bible says there. And, and what, what it was is that there was a miracle. Again, Elisha pours meal and casts it into the pot and then it was good enough to eat. And you know, um, I think sometimes we, when we think of overflow, we think of the, the, those blessings that are positive, but sometimes it's those things that God can turn around in our lives. You know, maybe come in deliverance from trouble rather than another form of blessing, but that's blessing nonetheless, right? And blessing can come in many ways, but we forget at times blessing can come in the form of deliverance. You know, trusting God can save our lives and help us avoid some bad things or turn some troublous things into good things. Didn't we learn about that already last week in the life of Joseph? You know, his brothers meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And God can turn it around. God can turn the worst things. And, you know, in, in, in God, He can turn those things into good. And trusting God can save your life. And, and even times help you avoid some bad things. And and that's what the grace of God is in our lives. You know, I think about Bradford, John Bradford, who was a, a Christian in the 16th century, who referenced there to a group of prisoners being led to execution. He looks at them and he says, Therefore, but for the grace of God goes John Bradford. And listen, there for the grace of God, if not for that, we'd be in those situations. You don't know how many things God has turned around without us even knowing We don't have to know. They understood the situation they were in. They were hungry. 
And the only thing they could eat was poison. <laughs> and yet and God, through Elisha here, turns it around. You know, sometimes it's the things that God protects us from that makes the greatest difference in our lives. And, you know, as we trust God, we can't help but think for, thank Him for helping us avoid some potentially hurtful and bad things. And, you know, you might pine for uh, an opportunity that you missed out on or, or things that d d can't seem to turn and God allows that to pass us by. But listen, it could be for our protection. But it could just be that as we pursue God and even when things don't look good, God can turn them around if we follow in faith. And so we see that. And then lastly, look at the last story. Look at verses 42 to 44. So there you go. If you didn't read your, your chapter for the day, you've read it now. Psalm 42. Uh, sorry, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 42. And there came a man from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits. Twenty loaves of barley full of ears of corn in the husk thereof. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat. And his servitor said, What should I set this before an hundred men? He said, Give the people that they may eat. For thus saith the Lord, They shall eat and shall leave thereof. And he set it before them, and they did eat and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. And so this man comes, and he just simply wants to offer God, uh, the man of God the first fruits. He supplies a need that was there and that they could eat, but others were able to eat. There was an overflow. And again, the last lesson that we learn here is that your overflow can, may only come after being willing to give of your first fruits. And the first fruits there, we understand what that is. The Bible tells us to honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So we know that there's a, there's a financial output to this but we understand that really when it comes to first fruits it's about giving God first place in our lives you're meant to be you're meant to give God the first fruits of your lives we're supposed to give him first claim and what you give when you give what uh, what you have into God's hands then what we see is the mega will become much the, this this portion that was given to the to Elisha here was able to feed others also. And I think about, again, the little boy with his lunch. I was speaking to our, our young adult life group this morning and was telling them how, you know, really this lad, when you think about it, there was 5,000 plus people there, right? And so he tells his disciples, go walk around, ask if anyone has food. And I, I would really be surprised if it was just the lad that had food. There were others there who had food. There were others there who had a packed lunch. There were others there who probably packed even more than this little boy did, but it was only this little boy who understood in that moment there was a need to be met, and here's my mega, and the mega became much. And you know, you might think, well, I don't have much to offer God. Well, I, don't, I, I, don't, I can't give to Him like others can. I, can't, I don't have as many talents. I don't have many, as many abilities, but little is much when God is in it. And you might just, by faith, present yourself, present that gift to God. And you might just, in humility before God, just say, Lord, here's all I have. And you might just give that to God, and God might supply much. I think about the, the families over there, and I no doubt families here who, over the years, uh, when there's been a need, just with the little that they have, the, what they thought was little anyway, 
they gave that and God made much of it. You know, you've probably noticed we've had guests from Sydney from time to time. And they've been coming along and, you know, I'll tell you this, we'd been praying over in Sydney for a long time for some acreage. And so for them, seeing what God did here amazes them. But, you know, I think about those who were at the beginning of our church. I got opportunity this week. I was looking through old photos. Looking at old photos when that building was being built, when this building was being built. And I was looking at all of that. And I was looking at, at what God has done. And I know you had even more back over there. But listen, there were those, the group of people who gave of what they could, not knowing of the muchness that God has done. You just don't know. But that's the overflow. The, the meager will become much. You know, the sacrifice will become supply. You know, that church. Look at, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 really quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And notice, um, notice verses 2 to 4. It says, How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And, you know, this, this, this church in, um, in, in the churches of uh, Macedonia there, the, the giving of the Macedonians, they were saying, you know, it was in their, their poverty. They didn't, have, they didn't have a great deal. But actually because of that, they were able then to minister to the saints. And an amazing thing that the sacrifice will become supplied. You know, I think about those who just in, in absolute humility, who had no actual ability or no actual um, discernible talent, and yet they give their lives over to God. And somehow, some way, God uses them to be the supplier that someone else, is need, someone else needs. You know, you, you think about the great evangel, evangelist of yesterday, D.L. Moody, could hardly read. He could hardly read. And yet, to this day, the institution that he built, the Moody Bible Institute, is still going. Not bad for a man who could hardly read. Well, you know what? He gave himself to God. Listen, some of you here, you're, you're sitting there going, well, I don't have much. Listen, God doesn't need much. And the sacrifice will become supply. You know, the giver will become the blessed. And he was able to leave off there. And, and I, I, he says there again, I have showed you all things in Acts 20, 35, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. We understand that. But, but the giver will become the blessed. You know, we say this all the time, and you've probably heard different preachers say this. I'm going to say it again. You can't outgive God. You just can't. You give your life, he'll make more of it. He'll make more from it. You give to God the, 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 the offering that uh, He requires of you then, you, then God will bless you more. And, and listen, there's just that, that output in God that you will always get from God. You'll always get. I have a message I preach on who's on the throne. You know, every other king will take. But the only king that sits on the throne that will give is God. He will keep giving and you will keep getting. And God will supply all your needs. And, and here you will never regret. You will never regret giving to God because you'll be in the overflow. You see, when we trust God with our needs or we trust God by giving of what we have or 
you know what we're going to find? We're going to get an overflow of that into into our lives, into the lives of others. And the point of the message is this. Okay, never get to a place where you think trusting God isn't worth it. You know, you may live to regret it because you miss out on the overflow of his blessing upon your life. And perhaps you recognize this morning you're a result of an overflow. Someone was faithful. Someone lived right. Someone did right. And you get to reap what they sowed. So why don't you make sure you'll live your life trusting God. So perhaps God can use you to be an overflow into someone else's life. And I'll tell you again, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for for just the fact that, Lord, just in your mind, as you're in the beginning as well as the end, Lord, you saw our lives and you saw how a decision in one's life just really resulted in just an overflow of your blessing. And many of us were, were a part of that. Many of us, it's because of our heritage. Many of us, because of the ministry of another. Many of us, because of the sacrifice of someone. And yet, Lord, all of us here, we have an option. We have a choice to, to continue to live in the overflow and to then allow that for our cups to run over into the lives of others. So I pray that you'd help us this morning to just commit some things to you, dear Lord, and perhaps uh, even just, just to, to encourage us to just keep going for you, dear God, to see, Lord, that it's not just in the current that you're working, it's into tomorrow as well. And I pray that you just help us then to, Lord, just to um, come before you today and just uh, perhaps commit ourselves to you. And we're going to have a time of invitation now, church, and the, um, there's going to be some music a little bit here, but don't delay. If the Lord's spoken to your heart this morning, and maybe it's just this, that we just be thankful for the overflow. Maybe we just give thanks to God today for just the overflow that he's caused into our lives. And maybe some kids here, some young people would just be thankful for mom and dad perhaps and just thankful for what they've done in their lives. And then maybe just giving thanks to God for all the, the blessings we've received. But maybe you're here this morning, you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Please don't leave here without knowing for sure. And you know, the greatest overflow has been is salvation. Because of Jesus, then many Many have been saved and many lives have been changed and I'm thankful for the Lord. And so I would invite you to come along and, and perhaps this morning it'll be the day that you can trust Christ as your Savior. But as the musician plays, as we just have this time of invitation, would you come, would you just do business with the Lord? Why don't we give God thanks? Why don't we just thank Him for all that He's done? And so as the music plays, why don't we do that this morning? <laughs>